This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, August 7th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. What's big tech done for us lately other than make its platforms addictive? That's the message from Missouri U.S. Senator Josh Hawley, and it comes with new legislation that would regulate social media as an addictive technology. Cato's Ryan Bourne and Matthew Feeney comment. Listeners uh, to this program recently will have heard uh, Matthew Feeney and I talking about uh, issues related to Section 230 and uh, whether or not publishers on the internet uh, or internet platforms ought to be viewed as publishers. Uh, Josh Hawley of Missouri has been pushing a lot of uh, a lot of changes to how social media is regulated in the United States. Well, and he has sort of twin complaints. One complaint is that big tech hasn't done a lot for us. Uh, and the other is that to the extent big tech has been making innovations, those innovations have uh, been driven largely by the intention to make social media addictive, as sticky as possible. So uh, just in general, what, do you, what are your two views of, uh, of that? When we take a look at a couple of these concerns, I think a number of things stand out. One is that when Senator Hawley says that big tech isn't delivering, that it's not giving us anything, I just think he's he's wrong. Uh, these are uh, companies that are producing uh, services that people clearly enjoy. Uh, but this goes beyond, of course, not just uh, social media. A lot of the companies people know very well from Silicon Valley are interested in driverless car technology, drone technology, artificial intelligence, robotics. It's just not true to say that these companies are not delivering. Uh, and, and this kind of a uh, complaint fits into a, a broader discussion about social media. Uh, Senator Hawley has uh, introduced amendments to Section 230. He's also recently introduced what he calls uh, the SMART Act, the Social Media Addiction Redu- Reduction Technology Act, which aims to limit uh, the amount of time that people are spending on social media, as well as uh, restrictions on what kind of interface these social media companies can have. But I think something else that fits into this uh, conversation is uh, something that Ryan has written about recently, which is there's a fundamental misunderstanding about the business model behind a lot of these companies and the kind of product uh, that they're delivering. Yeah, I I think you know um, a kind of cliche that we've heard a lot in relation to Google and Facebook in in particular um is almost as if you know we are commodities that that they are trading and they're not giving us anything in return and i think that's something that underpins some of Josh Hawley's complaint so we saw this on a new netflix documentary the great hack last week where uh, digital media professor david carroll repeated this idea that when it comes to social media platforms in essence we are the commodity we're not the consumer we're the product and the basic idea here is that since Facebook and Google don't charge us for our services, it's said uh, that we, in essence, pay for them through giving up our information, giving up our privacy, uh, and that in turn is sold to third parties for well-targeted advertising. Now, I think that that's, uh, that idea that we're not consumers of the product is clearly wrong. Um, most obviously because the value of these firms' advertising space is, of course, dependent on strong user numbers. And to get strong user numbers, they have to provide us with a product or service that we want or need. Uh, Google in the form of an accurate uh, search engine and a useful search engine. Uh, Facebook, um, a high-quality network or or applications within that, that social network to keep us using their website or apps. Um, and, and kind of secondly, I think it's fundamentally wrong to think that we're purely giving up 
our information and that uh, we're as individuals being kind of commodified, which it, which seems to be the implication from the way that this is talked about. And the reason I say that is because you know if we if we sat here and Matthew and I wrote out our personal details and our list of friends and our upcoming social events and uh, all the photos that we've we've liked uh, viewing from our friends in the past year. That would have some value to companies if we were to submit that in an envelope and and say use that um, for your business as you see fit. But actually, where a lot of the value comes from for both advertisers and use users from Facebook is through uh, processing that raw data, um, linking it with other people, and in turn uh, offering advertisers a kind of predictive model of the sorts of people that would look to buy that product. And that is good for the advertiser, of course. It means that their their, uh, dollar advertising spend is much better targeted than it otherwise would be. But it's good for users too, because we're getting adverts which are tailored to our to our interests and potential wants rather than seeing stuff that we, you know, not interested in at all. So to, to kind of summarize, I think there's two reasons why this idea you're the you're the product and not the consumer is wrong. One, because these companies have to provide us with a consumer product we want. Otherwise, we wouldn't use them and their advertising space would be non-valuable. And secondly, because clearly Google and Facebook are uh, engaging in value-added activity with that raw data that they're collecting. And it's that value-added activity that makes the advertising space more valuable than it otherwise would be. Of course, Holly has uh, a, a parallel or I should say complementary uh, argument, and that is the, this notion that uh, social media is designed to just for endless scrolling. And uh, while uh, I think a lot of people can identify with the with the notion that they're you know checking Twitter or Instagram or some other uh, social media platform on a regular basis, perhaps more regularly than uh, if they sat down and thought about it than they would like. Uh, what do you make of the, the the notion of regulation on behalf of preventing social media companies from, in fact, making their products uh, addictive? These kind of regulations uh, that that Senator Hawley have proposed concern me not not just from a, a a ideological perspective. The the idea, of course, being that you know we sit here in the Cato Institute and we generally uh, don't uh, look kindly upon the government trying to regulate private business. Uh, so there's the ideological. Well, we we don't uh, appreciate that that kind of regulation. But there's also a, a concern about the the degree to which this regulation, uh, even if implemented, compares to others uh, in its excessiveness. The the fact is that it's not just uh, a regulation on uh, scroll and autoplay. It uh, requires these companies to build particular kind of interfaces that notify people how often they've been on. It uh, allows the FTC and HHS to promulgate rules for social media companies. Uh, it bans uh, rewards for people uh, who are engaging in certain kinds of activities. Uh, this, this is a pretty expansive uh, proposal here. Uh, so even if you do think that, that social media addiction is a problem, uh, one, it's not the case that you necessarily need government regulation to deal with that as a problem. But secondly, you don't want uh, the kind of regulation that empowers these these federal agencies to design the rules and get into the nitty gritty of particular kind of interfaces these companies are using. Uh, and of course, if you're worried about addiction, it's it's 
there are, there are many, many different things that we could think about when targeting addiction. Uh, social media is not the only uh, not the only thing that people can find themselves addicted to. Uh, you can be addicted to all kinds of things, and uh, you can accept something as a social problem without necessarily embracing the kind of regulations that Senator Hawley has uh, suggested. Yeah, and I think on that, from an economic perspective, we usually only advocate, in, well, from first principles, we don't usually advocate intervention if there were clear social costs um, engaged with an activity, because we usually presume that um, people know what's best for them and they engage in activities that they want to do, and that creates, you know, an inherent utility to them. It's not entirely clear to me that there are huge social costs here that have to be internalized in some way. Um, and to the extent that you know various other activities have potentially larger social costs, it's not clear to me, as Matthew alluded to, that social media is more pro uh, destructive than, say, extensive playing of video games or being a, a soccer or football obsessive or, or any other kind of uh, addiction in inverted commas. So it's not entirely clear to me that there's a market failure here that needs solving. But of course, people recognize um, quite often that they themselves spend more time in social media than they would like. And that's why a whole range of of um, within market uh, institutions and innovations have cropped up such that people were able to better control or manage their own personal use of social media. Um, on my iPhone, for example, I uh, utilize the function which tells me when I've spent more than two hours on any social media platform from the day, through the day. I can tailor that such that um, certain applications are excluded from the count. And when it hits that two hours, it cuts me off. And in order to override it, I have to go through pressing of two or three different buttons. So that deters me from overusing social media. And I, I, you know, to the extent that this is an issue, I think that there are within market um, solutions, applications, innovations that can help alleviate that problem without the, the need for federal government intervention. I'll only add that if you read the the legislation, it seems clear that that Hawley is particularly concerned with some of the big players. So this this ban on autoplay specifically exempts advertisements uh, from that requirement, which seems like a regulation that's directly aimed at YouTube's uh, autoplay for recommended videos. And, and this fits into the uh, the tech clash that we we discussed earlier. Uh, and and if you you in thought of regulations like this as they apply to alcohol uh, or cigarettes, uh, other things that you can become addicted to, I think it would become quickly apparent that it's uh, it's excessive. Uh, a regulation that only allows people to spend a certain amount of time per week uh, drinking or smoking uh, would be considered pretty uh, over the top. I guess one of my uh, concerns here is I don't actually know what it is, the what the problem is that he wants to solve other than Perhaps uh, he feels that uh, social media companies are too freewheeling, they are too able, they are too uh, powerful in a sense because they do have uh, uh, enormous sway with individuals. I think that's probably right. I think this is part of a broader zeitgeist, which is that social media companies, um, certain ones, Facebook in particular, uh, plays too important uh, a role in our lives. Um, but I think that that kind of crops up to a certain extent from a not completely unfounded 
conservative view in this case that social media companies are packed full of uh, liberal employees. Um, but whether that you know that doesn't justify government intervention uh, as as we've been discussing, and I think all of these issues are a part of uh, trying to, in essence, throw the kitchen sink at these companies and hope that some of the complaints will stick in the public consciousness. At least that's, that's how my reading of it. I, I would say that in, in any of these conversations, it's important to look at the, the broader political context, which uh, as... Uh, as Ryan discussed, there are allegations of uh, anti-conservative bias. There are concerns of uh, antitrust. There are concerns about the the health risks associated with these kind of companies, and they all fit into this umbrella of uh, conservative concern about, uh, particularly Silicon Valley. Uh, you could be a cynic and say, "Well, uh, Hawley and his allies are just engaged in uh, political opportunism here; that they know it's good politics to to bash big tech." Uh, I, I won't necessarily go that far. I'll just say that uh, the concerns that uh, Hawley ha has raised, such as addiction, uh, concerns about bias and censorship, should be dealt with by examining the evidence thoroughly and then also considering whether the regulations in such bills uh, would have uh, negative unintended consequences uh, and would far, uh, that, that would far, far outweigh the benefit. Ryan Bourne occupies the R. Evan Scharf Chair for the Public Understanding of Economics at the Cato Institute. Matthew Feeney directs Cato's Project on Emerging Technologies. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 